I have a couple of grandkids that are uh, just finishing up a course called Old Testament. And I just think what a, a great thing that is at the college level to be someplace and that becomes part of the curriculum. Because when you go back and you think about the Old Testament, what the Old Testament does is it, it's a book that points toward the Savior. It's a book that, or a, a group of books that points toward the Savior, the Messiah. The Jewish community had prophecies that occurred in that Old Testament that I just spoke of. And uh, what they did in Isaiah, to give you an example, this is what it says in Isaiah 9. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He will be called Mighty God. He will be called Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. That was 700 years before the Messiah would be born. 700 years. Think about that. That's three times the length of time that the whole United States has been part, of, has been part and parcel. Now, you think about the Messiah coming as at birth in Genesis 28. It tells us, too, that that prophesied the Messiah, clear back in the book of Genesis, that he would be a descendant of Jacob. In Luke's Gospel, if you go to Luke's Gospel, you'll find it lays out literally the whole genealogy of Jesus and how he was from that line of David. The prophet Isaiah also wrote in the seventh chapter, he says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child, and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. See, that prophecy is fulfilled in the Christmas child, the one that we come here today to celebrate. As we see in the first chapter of Luke, it tells us, it says, The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child will be called the Son of God. Micah, 200 years after Isaiah, 500 years before the Messiah, he even said that this Messiah would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. We know that Isaiah also said that there would be a forerunner, we know that to be John the Baptist, who would, who would come before and would actually usher in this Messiah. 500 years before Christ in Zechariah, we read that it was prophesied that Jesus would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And amazingly, when we read Matthew, the 26th chapter, we, we see that that was fulfilled to the letter. You just see exactly what happened in that 30 pieces of silver that Judas tendered to the Pharisees. Last night... I thought it was an interesting picture if you were here last night and we closed with candlelights and really you saw the whole idea is that you see in that darkness as those, as those candles got lit literally around this whole sanctuary, the perimeter of it, we saw a picture of the light of the world overcoming the darkness. It was a great feeling. We saw our children last week in the program that was called A Mixed Up Christmas. We saw them here last week. And what they were doing, they were, they were not only presenting that program to you, but they were learning 
about that Christ child in the process of doing it. You know, if you've been privileged to have children, think about some of the things that come with children. The hopes that you have for them. You think about what in your mind, what can they become? What is it that they'll be as they grow and as they prosper? You know, what, what will they accomplish? Will they be uh, a, a great family person? Perhaps they're responsible for some technology that saves lives, but we think about all the things that they might accomplish. And even more importantly, what difference will they make in the kingdom of heaven? You know, will they be believers in this Messiah, in this Jesus that we talk about? Because, you know, if you think about what Jesus means in Hebrew, Jesus really means salvation or he saves. That's the name of Jesus. That's this Messiah we talk about, salvation or he saves. On Christmas Day 2022, as you said here today, you know, we do come and we embrace this baby Jesus because it's something that we, that we look at because we understand the, just how important it was. We embrace that miracle birth and, and what happened. But we also embrace the fact that the Son of God, what he was going to be. And when you heard the prophets talking about it, they were not only painting the picture of the birth, but they were painting the picture of what this Messiah was going to represent for us. Because he was going to be the hope for salvation for us. Through him we might be saved. Our hope in a fulfilling life on earth, that was another picture that, that as we embrace this baby Jesus, it's, it's, it's hope because this life has its struggles, doesn't it? But yet what we realize is the hope we find is attached to the Savior. And in what we go through in our collective ministries, you just think about that because the reality, a lot of the reasons we do what we do is not to keep what we know and what we believe bottled up inside of us. It's so that, that we can take other people with us on this Christian journey and so they can experience this eternal life that we already understand and embrace. See, the prophets saw the baby this first Christ child, they saw him through a lens of what Jesus would become. This 33 years on earth, not just as a baby, but as our Savior. When we think about the King of Kings, I don't think it can be said any better than, than is said. We're going to listen to it in just a moment, but I don't think it can be said any better than S.M. Lockridge said it. Now, he was an African-American pastor in San Diego that pastored from the 50s through the 90s at that church. i got to love his name because S.M. Lockridge is how he's known, but you know what his name was? Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. Now, can you imagine going to first grade and the teacher says, well, what's your name? Oh, it's Shadrach Meshach. Everybody would say, well, what happened to Abednego? I always wonder that, you know, but I guess they just wanted to keep him to those two names. But I want you to listen to what Dr. Lockridge has to say as he talks about, that's my king. Let's watch it. 
the Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him for you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! It'd be hard to say it. I wouldn't even have attempted. I actually thought about one time about reading those, and I thought, there's no way you can do what he did. What a legacy that he left. There was a pastor named Gail Irwin, and he kind of amplified uh, the description of our Savior. Let me read you just a few things that he said. He said this. He said, many politicians of this day look for what they can get from you. Jesus looks for what he can do for you. 
Many leaders of this day surround themselves with servants. Jesus surrounds us with his servanthood. Many leaders of this day use their power to build their empire. Jesus uses his power to wash our feet and to teach us about humility. Many leaders of this day bargain away their influence for money or power. God so loved us that he gave us his only son, Jesus. Is that your king? That was what Reverend Lockridge proclaimed. He said, that's my king. See, my hope for you and I today and the days ahead of us is that we love this day called Christmas. Christmas, the mass of Christmas, the celebration of Christ. That's what that stands for, the celebration of Christ, the mass of Christ, Christmas. And see, my hope is, is that we embrace this baby that came from these humble surroundings, this Messiah that we can answer boldly, but not sheepishly, but boldly that we can answer that that is my king. What I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to bow your head with me. If there's anyone that doesn't know Jesus as your king, I'd like for you to say this prayer along with me. You can do this online as well. You can do it in the privacy of your home. But say this prayer along with me if you haven't received this king. Lord, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That he came to live here on earth and to die for my sins. That he was put to death for me in my place. He became a sacrifice for me. Lord, forgive me for my sins. I accept him as my personal Savior and believe that he was raised on the third day. And through him, I have salvation and everlasting life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, then I ask you to tell somebody. Scripture tells us that we're to believe in our heart, we're to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is King. What an important day for you to do that. I'm going to release you in just a moment, but I hope when you do leave, you think about what Christmas is. It's, it's gifts, sure, because we give things to people we love. It's meals together, sure because we have that opportunity again to just share time and spend time and just participate in other people's lives. But hopefully we'll also remember that this mass of Christ, this celebration of Christ today, and this Christ child, what it holds for us as far as the spiritual content, and believe me, it is a life changer. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray as we leave this building today, that, Father, that, that truly we understand that, that Christ is alive in us. That in the people we run into, in the things we do, in our workplace, in our home, whatever it is, Lord, that we reflect the qualities. That's what this Christianity is about, Father. It's trying to be a reflection of your Son, Jesus Christ, Lord. And I pray that, that each day that will become more, more normal to us. Lord, because we want to wake up and we want to be servants. We want to be able to serve our fellow man, Lord, and to serve you in the process. 
We want to be able to love God, to love others, and to serve both. And the congregation said, Amen. Amen.